We turn now to our scripture lesson for the sermon this morning, which is in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, as we pick up with verse 25, and we'll read through verse 40, continuing our study of 1 Corinthians. So this is the word of God as he gave to the Apostle Paul, inspired him to write. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 25 through 40. So let's attend with reverence to the reading of God's holy, inspired, and therefore inerrant word. Again, 1 Corinthians 7, verses 25 through 40. Now concerning virgins, I have no commandment from the Lord, yet I give judgment as one whom the Lord in his mercy has made trustworthy. I suppose, therefore, that this is good because of the present distress, that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be loosed. Are you loosed from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But even if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. Nevertheless, such will have trouble in the flesh, but I would spare you. But this I say, brethren, the time is short, so that from now on even those who have wives should be as though as though they had none. Those who weep as though they did not weep. Those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice. Those who buy as though they did not possess. And those who use this world as not misusing it. For the form of this world is passing away. But I want you to be without care. He who is unmarried cares for the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But he who is married cares about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. There's a difference between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman cares about the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and in spirit, but she who is married cares about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. And this I say for your own profit, not that I may put a leash on you, but for what is proper, and that you may serve the Lord without distraction. But if any man thinks he is behaving improperly toward his virgin, if She is past the flower of youth, and thus it must be. Let him do what he wishes. He does not sin. Let them marry. Nevertheless, he who stands steadfast in his heart, having no necessity, but has power over his own will, and is so determined in his heart that he will keep his virgin, does well. So then he who gives her in marriage does well. But he who does not give her in marriage does better. A wife is bound by law as long as her husband lives, but if her husband dies, she is at liberty to be married to whom she wishes, only in the Lord. But she is happier if she remains as she is, according to my judgment, and I think I also have the Spirit of God. This ends the reading of God's holy word for us at this time. Let's briefly pray. Lord our God, we do Thank you for your written word, and we pray now that you would open our minds and prepare our hearts to receive it, that as we have heard it read and as it will be exposited here, we pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight, and that this would be used to your glory and to our upbuilding. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, in chapter 7 of 1 Corinthians, so far as we've been studying it, the Apostle Paul has taught about the blessings God has for uh, Christians who are married and for Christians who are unmarried. He also wrote of the virtue of godly contentments. You'll notice how that uh, segues into what we just read here today. 
uh, being uh, content to be in the state that you're in in a time of trouble. And he gave further counsel for married Christians, which we considered last week. All of this was sparked by a question from the Corinthians about whether or not it was good for, quote, a man not to touch a woman, unquote. Uh, The answer that we've seen so far is that it's good for a single Christian who has self-control to remain single and chaste. And for married Christians to be faithful in their marriages. And for those who can't practice self-control to go ahead and get married. Uh, Today we read further counsel from Paul for single Christians. Uh, What he teaches are good things for us all to hear though. So even if you're married, don't tune this out. Uh, This is good for you uh, as well. Some of it applies to every Christian, whether we're married or not. And the rest are things that we can help to cultivate in our unmarried or widowed brothers and sisters. And Paul's counsel includes several things. Number one, uh, take into account the times and circumstances in which you live, in which you're living, to assess how best you can serve the Lord. Well, any Christian can do that, but that certainly does bear on whether or not you get married if you're single. Number two, remember, life is short, and this world is passing away. The third thing he'll teach here is singleness is a blessing. There are blessings of singleness. That's rather countercultural in our culture, or maybe it used to be and is becoming less so now. I don't know, but because there are more young people who are putting off marriage, but singleness is a blessing in the right circumstances. Number four, It is appropriate for the single Christian to seek marriage. There's no sin in that. Number five, widows are free to remarry or remain single as they choose. But then number six, if a Christian marries, he or she must marry another Christian. Now, you might remember how verse 10, or in verse 10, Paul said, the Lord commanded certain things about marriage, but then in verse 12 he wrote, I, not the Lord, say... And if you were here at that time, you'll recall that I I showed that that did not mean that Paul's word was not God's word or something, as he was writing here under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Uh, This is the inspired word of God. Paul was an apostle of Jesus Christ and thus spoke with Christ's authority, and he was just pointing out, Christ has already said this. Here as an apostle, I'm saying more things that you still have to take seriously as God's word. So uh, he was writing by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. This is God's word. Verse 12 and after is as much God's word as verses 10 and 11. So this isn't an argument for us to say that parts of the Bible are God's word and other parts aren't. No, the whole Bible is God's word. When scripture records a command directly from God or from his prophets or apostles, it's it's a command that we have to understand is God's command to us. Today, however, we need to note that Paul is putting forth not commands so much in all cases anyway, but counsel, helpful, wise advice. In verse 25, he says, Now concerning virgins, I have no commandment from the Lord, yet I give judgment as one whom the Lord in his mercy has made trustworthy. So in this passage, he's not issuing outright commands in every case from God, but is giving wise, godly advice. In verse 40, he concludes, and I think I also have the Spirit of God. So he's saying here, I do have the Spirit of God. I'm speaking 
here from the Spirit. He's somewhat sarcastically uh, saying that the Holy Spirit has inspired this passage. As we'll get further into the letter, we'll see that there are opponents of false apostles who are opposing Paul. And he's, he's saying, well, I have the Spirit of God. They think they have the Spirit of God. Well, I do too here. So this is divinely inspired, wise advice for us to take. In other words, we should approach 1 Corinthians 7, 25 through 40, uh, much as we ought to approach the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is Holy Scripture. It's God's word inspired by him. But God did not inspire Proverbs with the intention that we would consider every statement to be an explicit command for to be applied in all circumstances, but rather that it's counsel, it's advice. While we might find some commands in Proverbs, uh, most of the book consists of wise counsel to be applied or not, depending on the circumstances. Uh, one of the obvious cases of that that shows that is Proverbs 26, verses 4 and 5. Proverbs 26, 4 says this, Do not answer a fool according to his folly, lest you also be like him. But then the very next verse, verse 5 says, Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. I'm assuring you now, the Bible does not have contradictions in it. If those were explicit commands, they would be contradictory. But they're not explicit commands. They're wise advice. And they were not meant to be taken as anything more than wise advice. As you discern the circumstances, there is a way that you can answer a fool according to his folly that drags you down to his level. And that would not be beneficial. So you should not answer a fool according to his folly in that circumstance or in that sort of way. And at other times, you need to address how foolish someone's statement is, how foolish someone's claims are, lest that person think that he actually has a better argument than he really has. And you can show him, no, that's a foolish argument. And here's what God's word has to say about that. Similar to Proverbs, Paul's counsel in today's passage is wise, God-inspired advice for the most part. It should be heeded. We should take it very seriously. But it does not have the force of command from God. And Paul says that expressly here in this passage. For example, he tells people there are benefits to being single. But if you marry, that's fine. Right? So he's not saying don't get married. He's not giving an explicit command. He's simply saying, here are some advantages to being single. So, let's dive into the Apostles' Council for Single Christians. Number one, take into account the times and circumstances in which you are living in order to assess how best you can serve the Lord. Now, particularly, he's aiming this at single Christians concerned about whether or not they would choose to get married. But this is... Uh, more broadly, very wise counsel for every one of us. When you're thinking about how best you can serve the Lord, well, you have to take into account the circumstances and the times in which you're living. Paul's talking specifically here about whether or not an unmarried Christian would choose to marry, but uh, this is certainly wise counsel for every Christian. The examples are about marriage and singleness, but you can apply this counsel almost universally. How can I best serve the Lord in the world in the community, in the society, in the family in which he has placed me, at my job, at school, among friends, 
in the midst of economic prosperity or in the midst of economic depression or recession. Well, here's Paul's counsel on the topic. Verse 26 and 27. I suppose, therefore, that it is good because of the present distress that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be loosed. Are you loosed from a wife? Do not seek a wife. Now we might note uh, for for one thing that the, the Greek word here for wife is the word for woman in general. So when he says... Uh, He's talking about being loosed from a wife. He's not here saying that, he's not talking about getting divorced here. He's not teaching that there are circumstances when a man should break his marriage covenant. Uh, Rather, uh, this term bound to a woman can include the betrothal, the formal engagement, which could be ended before the marriage uh, was actually finalized. Think of what Joseph considered doing uh, when he learned that Mary was with child and he was going to put her away quietly, literally. Another thing to note is that Paul is speaking of some present distress. And that's a point of a great deal of debate among Bible scholars, but it's clear these aren't ordinary circumstances. It's a time of greater than normal difficulty for Christians. Many Bible scholars think Paul is speaking prophetically of the coming persecution of the church under the emperor Nero, the same persecution that he will be killed under. But we also know that that Paul probably wrote this letter from Ephesus, a place where he experienced a great deal of opposition to the gospel and where uh, ultimately a riot over the gospel wreaked havoc in the city. The Corinthian Christians had experienced similar public opposition and attempts at persecution in their own city. Uh, Others look at verse 28's reference to trouble in the flesh to conclude that Paul is talking more generally of the distresses of living in a fallen world. But either way, uh, Paul's counsel is that we should take into account our present circumstances. Are you in a time of distress, and would it be better to marry or not to marry under that particular circumstance? So when you're making decisions about how to live as a servant of Christ, take into account what's going on around you. The reformer Holdrich Fingley wrote that Paul is essentially saying, given the troubles with with which we are now pressured and afflicted on account of our faith in the gospel, I permit whatever estate that is advantageous and peaceful. Just figure out what is most advantageous and peaceful in your present circumstances and do that. That's what Paul is saying. Paul continues, verse 28, but even if you do marry... You have not sinned, and if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. Nevertheless, such will have trouble in the flesh, but I would spare you. Marriage is a blessing. We've already seen that in this chapter. But it also brings certain challenges. During troubled times, Paul would rather spare single Christians that those extra challenges. He doesn't want to add to the challenges that they have of living in service to Christ at a time when it's already hard to live. He writes, But this I say, brethren, the time is short, so that from now on, even those who have wives should be as though they had none. Now, we need to be careful here of how we interpret that. Now, Paul is talking about serving the Lord. As we see in the following verses, there are advantages to being single that help a Christian serve the Lord with more freedom and focus. He's not saying a Christian man should neglect his wife if he's married. 
Uh, in verse 3, we already saw what he taught back then, that, that married people must not neglect their spouses. So he's not now reversing that and saying, yeah, go ahead and neglect your spouse. Live as if you're not married. No, that's not what he, he's saying. He's saying that marriage should not get in the way of our devotion to the Lord. That becomes clear as we see what follows. Those who weep as though they did not weep. Those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice. Those who buy as though they did not possess. And those who use this world as not misusing it. Notice, they are weeping, they are rejoicing, they are buying, they are doing these things. But he's saying don't invest too much in those things. Whatever you have or don't have, whatever joys or sorrows you experience, let nothing get in the way of your service to God. In regard to whether or not to marry... And considering the difficulty of living in a fallen world during particularly troubled times, Paul says in verse 38, So then, he who gives in marriage does well, but he who does not give in marriage does better. Notice I dropped the her from there, that's in the New King James Version there. That's uh, not actually in the Greek text. You'll notice it's italicized in your New King James Version in your pew Bibles. There, it's, uh, The hers are actually not in the Greek text. There's some dispute about how best to translate verses 36 through 38. Is it talking about whether a man gives his virgin daughter in marriage or not? Is it talking about a man who is betrothed to a young woman? Or is it talking about a man's own virginity? His own purity? Well, no matter what the best translation, you, you still get the jest here, I think. A, a Christian does well to marry, but in troubled times it may be even wiser to refrain from getting married. Similarly, in verse 40, Paul says of widows, but she is happier if she remains as she is in my judgment. So he's saying, I think that particularly in troubled times, a widow would be happier not to remarry. Take into account the times and circumstances in which you live to assess how best to serve the Lord. The second lesson we see in this passage is remember life is short, and this world is passing away. In verse 31, for the form of this world is passing away. You will grow old and die if Christ does not return soon. That's going to happen to all of us. Unless Christ returns first, in which case then this world will end. So this world is passing away, Paul says. The things that matter are actually eternal things. Yes, the things of this world have value, and what you do here and now matters, but there are eternal things that you need to be investing in all the more. Think of Jesus saying, lay up treasures in heaven more than you do on earth. As Solomon says in Ecclesiastes 12.1, remember your creator in the days of your youth. And then he goes on to speak poetically about growing old. Don't invest so heavily in this world and its pursuits, including marriage, that you would put those things ahead of eternal things. Remember, life is short and this world is passing away. A third lesson from these verses we find is that singleness is a blessing. Many a television show and movie and novel uh, present singleness as some kind of curse. You know, all of those uh, romantic comedies and so-called chick flicks, you know, uh, they're, they're, uh, they present 
singleness, particularly for a young woman, or a woman who's not quite so young anymore, as some kind of horrible situation to be in. And certainly it's stressful. I, somebody who got married a little later in life, I know that I had a desire to be married. Uh, got to the point where I was quite content being single. But it was there was a time of life that was very stressful. My wife could probably say, say the same thing. We've had many a friend who was married a little bit later, and before that happened, they were uh, very stressed, concerned about why they were single. They didn't desire to be single. But for the Christian, it can certainly be a blessing to be single. Verses 32 through 34 say, But I want you to be without care. He who is unmarried cares for the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But he who is married cares about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. There is a difference between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman cares about the things of the Lord. She may be holy both in body and in spirit, but she who is married cares about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. The married Christian has a different kind of blessing, but is not free to serve the Lord with that kind of single-mindedness that an unmarried Christian can do. I have to think about my wife, and now, praise God, my children before I think of other things. Yes, I think of the Lord ahead of those things, but I still have to consider my wife and my children. And the unmarried Christian, when I was an unmarried man, an unmarried pastor, I was able to focus on other things more. Now, there are other blessings. I have to say having a wife has freed me up to do other things in ministry that I didn't have the time to do because I was doing all those things in the household that my wife takes care of now. So such a blessing to have a helpmate. But it's a different kind of blessing. The single Christian is freer to think solely about pleasing the Lord, Paul says. But again, this is counsel, it's advice, it's not command. So in verse 35 he says, And this I say for your own profit, not that I may put a leash on you. He's not saying you are bound to follow this as if it's a commandment from God. This is godly, wise advice. But for what is proper, that you may serve the Lord without distraction, he says. So before you get married, single Christian, think, are you going to be able to serve the Lord as a married person? And how will you do that? And is this a good time for you to do that? And think about the fact that you are able now, as you're single, to serve the Lord with greater single-mindedness, without distraction, Paul says. In verse 37, again, depending on how we interpret the Greek, Paul could be saying that a father does well not to give his daughter in marriage, or that a man does well not to marry his betrothed, or that a man or woman does well to remain a virgin. So, depending on how we read that, nevertheless, he who stands steadfast in his heart, but has power over his own will, so self-controlled, and has so determined his heart that he will keep his virgin does well. So if the single Christian can practice self-control, there is a blessing in remaining single. We already saw that earlier in this chapter. Singleness is a blessing. Number four, though, it is nevertheless appropriate for a single Christian to seek marriage. If you're single and you want to be married, that's fine. 
in verse 28. But even if you do marry, you have not sinned. So Paul's not giving a commandment that if you break it, you're sinning. He's saying, here's some good advice, but if you don't follow it, you're fine. You have, you've given up some advantages, but you're not sinning. In verse 35, in this I say for your own profit, not that I may put a leash on you. Again, so I'm not binding you here. Verse 36, but if, I, but if a man thinks he is behaving improperly toward his virgin, if she is past the flower of youth, so if she's old enough to get married, <clears throat> and thus it may be, let him do as he wishes. He does not sin, let them marry. So again, that could be saying that a man may let his grown daughter get married, or that a man may marry his betrothed if, if she is of age. Lots of marriages were arranged when the the young people were too young to get married. And so he's saying, well, as long as you're old enough, go ahead and get married. John Calvin even sees in this a counsel of, that it's unwise for young people to contract their own marriages, that they should consult their parents when thinking about who they're going to marry. Or, Paul could be saying, a single Christian who does not possess the self-control to be single and chaste at the same time should marry. He's already said that earlier in the chapter. Remember what he said in verse 9. It is better to marry than to burn with passion. It's appropriate for single Christians to seek marriage. A fifth lesson is that widows may remarry or remain single as they see fit. That a widow may remarry is clear from verse 39. A wife is bound by law as long as her husband lives. But if her husband dies, she is at liberty to be married to whom she wishes only in the Lord. She may re- remarry or she may remain single. It's up to her. right? And Paul again emphasizes the blessing of singleness in verse 40. But she is happier if she remains as she is according to my judgment. Widows can remarry or remain single. And finally, a sixth lesson in this passage is a Christian who does marry must marry only another Christian. So the counsel here is you may or may not get married. Right? Think about how wise it is to get married. If you're widowed, you can remarry if you're free to, but you don't have to, and I think it's wiser if you don't, Paul says. But the part that says who you marry, is that is actually command, and we find that a consistent command from God throughout Scripture that his covenant people need to marry in the covenant. And so Paul will say elsewhere uh, that we are not to be, in the next letter to the Corinthians, he'll say that we ought not to be yoked with unbelievers, unequally yoked, and that has an application in Second Corinthians 6 that's uh, more broadly than just marriage. It's more, more broad than just marriage, but, but certainly does have an application for marriage that we ought not to be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. But at the end of verse 39, here he says, a Christian who marries is free to marry. He says, only in the Lord. That is, be married to someone else who is a Christian as well, somebody who is also in Christ like you are. Christians, if they marry, must marry another Christian. So that's uh, for those of you who are unmarried and you're thinking about being married. We have young people in our midst here. Maybe in the coming years you'll be thinking about who you're going to marry. The one restriction the Lord puts on it, other than that it needs to be someone of the opposite sex, is that it has to be a Christian. You have to marry a Christian. So just to recap quickly, take into account the times and circumstances 
in which you're living to assess how you can best serve the Lord. Whether in marriage or singleness or in any other state or way of life. Remember, life is short and this world is passing away. Always prioritize eternal things. And so if you're in a time of persecution, though, then Paul might say, well, it's probably wiser for you not to get married. Just to, uh, It's a time when you're likely not to live very long as a Christian, for example. But it's perfectly fine if you do. But assess how best you can serve the Lord, and then remember this life is short and this world is passing away. But also singleness is a blessing. If you're single, use that as an opportunity to serve the Lord with fewer distractions. You don't have a husband or a wife to think about pleasing. You can just think about pleasing the Lord. Nevertheless, if you desire marriage, it's absolutely appropriate for you to pursue it. Do it. Look for the right partner. Look for another Christian who is appropriate for you to marry, somebody who's compatible with you in other ways. If you've been married and your husband or your wife has passed away, you're absolutely free to remarry or not as you choose. If you're single and you do want to get married, the one restriction here is that it needs to be another Christian. In all things, look for how you might serve the Lord best and take this wise counsel from the Apostle very seriously. Well, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this divinely inspired, wise, and helpful counsel. Help us to discern how best we can apply it in the circumstances in which you've placed each one of us. We thank you and praise you that you are a sovereign God and that you are in control of these situations. We do pray that that you would uh, teach us all the more to be wise in the ways that we seek to serve you in this world. Help us to prioritize eternal things over the temporal and help us to think clearly about how we can serve you in marriage or in singleness or in any other state of life. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.